you're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. This month, like I said, I preached my dad's funeral. He lived a very short, tragic, heartbreaking life. And um, it still affects me, still affects my family. Um, Heartbreaking. I wish with all my heart that he could have found what he was looking for and seen what the reality of who he was was for himself. Um, uh, Ten years later, uh, there are moments that it's still very heavy, very hard for me. But, tell somebody right now, say but. Say it like you mean it. Wake up, say but. But I have packed a lot of life in the last ten years. I have packed a lot of life in the last ten years. And whether you've lost a person, whether you've lost people, whether you've lost money, whether you've lost time, whether you've lost a lot of, a lot of hair, I don't know what you've lost. I don't know. I've lost a lot of hair the last 10 years. I thought I was going to have more in this in my age. I don't know what you've lost, but I'm going to tell you something. There is life after loss. There is life after loss. And I want to talk you into it today, and I want to talk you into taking God up on it. Because right now in this moment, and every moment ahead, every single day, I don't know what you've lost. I don't know how hard it hurts you, but there is life after loss. Matter of fact, tell somebody right now, say, there's life after loss. Now, speak it over yourself. Say, there is life after loss. And we are about to jump into it. I know that you're struggling or you've struggled, and if you're not, you will. But I'm telling you, you may be struggling, but don't you dare stop. You may have to breathe on the bench for a minute, but don't you, you get back in the game. You get back in the game because life, loss doesn't have to crush you. Loss can save your life. Matter of fact, loss is a good teacher. And before we jump into this scripture, I want you to say it one more time with me. Say, there is life after loss. Don't know what your story looks like. Don't have to. There is life. Don't know what you've lost. There is life after loss. And loss is one of the best teachers that you will ever have. By the way, if you got a bulletin, you can take notes. We're trying to really grow together as a church and grow in God's word. You got notes, take them. They're online. You can go on the app and get them. We're about to jump into this thing because life is one of the best, loss is one of the best teachers that you'll have. Here we go. You learn to live. You learn to live. When you lose, whether you've lost with divorce, death, bankruptcy, I don't know, sickness, youth, Loss will teach you to live if you will let it teach you to live. Loss doesn't have to crush your life or or stop your life. It will save your life if you will let it. You learn to live. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon is to this day one of the wealthiest men to walk the face of the earth. A true trillionaire. Not any of them here right now. King Solomon says this. Better to spend your time at funerals than parties. (laughs) After all, everyone dies. So callous, right? So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter for sadness has a refining influence on us. <laughs> when you've lost, loss will hit you straight in the heart and make you take inventory of what really matters and what's really important in your life. Doesn't matter if the loss is your fault or somebody else's or a mixture of both. I'm telling you, loss will begin to help you. You will change the trajectory of your entire life if you will begin to let the loss help you take inventory of what really matters in your life. 
And because of that, we live in a world we just want to have fun all the time. We want to relax. We want to eat the next meal. We want to make the next bonus paycheck. And Solomon says, it's better to be at a funeral than to be at a party because when you're having fun, you lose focus because you actually think you're the one that got you there. And Solomon says, sometimes you need your heart broken to save your life. They had to go. They had to reject you. You you didn't need to waste 10 more years in in a marriage that you wasted 20 too long. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that loss is a good teacher. King David lived through pure hell. I can't even give you the laundry list of the hell that he brought on himself. Other people brought on him. King David says in Psalm 119, he says, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise, God's promise to all of us preserves my life. You learn to live we're lost. My wife and kids have taught me, all of them, they live life on a level that most people truly can't. And they have taught me over the last over seven years to do the same. They have no idea how much they've impacted the man I am and what I believe about loss. No idea. My, our biological children lost their Um, excuse me, our children lost their biological father in 2013. Angie lost her first husband. My wife lost her first husband of 24 years. And immediately when we started dating back in 2014, she told me, she said, look, I'm telling you from the get-go, I refuse to live in what-ifs. I refuse to live in should-ifs, could-ifs. I did that for too long. That is not living. That's the first precedent she ever said in the life that we chose to build together. And the reason they have the ability to truly live that is because they know how fragile, they know how short life truly is no matter how long you live. You know how they learned it? Loss. Because loss, you lose something, you lose somebody, you lose something in yourself because you're so hurt and so heartbreaking. Sometimes it puts things in perspective in a way that can change the trajectory of your life. Disappointment the same way, betrayal the same way, burnout the same way, your spouse had an affair the same way, you had an affair the same way. Loss will put things in perspective in a way that if you will let it, it will save your life, not crush it. Loss will teach you how to live. Loss, when you've truly learned from loss the way God can use loss in your life, you will waste less and live more. You will look backwards less and you will live forward more. There, tell somebody there's life after loss. Matter of fact, I know I got a sleepy crowd today. When I point to you, we're going to do this today. You say life after loss. Go for it. There we go. I got to wake y'all up. There is life after loss. Online, there is life after loss. You better be watching it, whether you're watching it from the bed or the condo, there's life after loss. And loss will help you learn to live. I don't know how many years you've wasted, but loss can help you live. It can teach you how to live. Man, people say, well, you've changed when you lost. You ever notice that in seasons of great loss, you lose a lot of people? You know why that is? They say you've changed. In seasons of huge growth in my life where I really am, where I become less intimidated than I was last season and where I don't take as much because when you really learn what you're worth, you don't handle, you don't take it well anymore when you're treated any other way. And so, you know, in seasons of loss, you ever heard people say, well, you've changed. Well, you have. What's important to you has changed. You don't care about, you, you care about making memories more than you do making money. You party less and you enjoy and invest in people more. 
Of course you've changed. And the people that don't want to change with you are going to say you've changed because they don't see it the way you do because loss teaches you how to live. It teaches you how to live. Can I tell you something about Angie and I? Angie and I, if you look at our house before we got married, it was like Angie was OCD. And honestly, I learned to be too. You go look at our house now, it is like disorderly. And there's times where it's almost embarrassing. But you know why? Because we choose to not miss life keeping the dishes kept up. And it used to like bother us. Now we come home, we're like, well, it's home, been a long day. We're, we've enjoyed doing life and ministry together and we refuse to miss life handling responsibilities that shouldn't take up all our time and we're not going to let it. You know what teaches you that? Loss. Solomon said, sorrow has that effect on you. Loss. Tell somebody there's life after loss. God can take your loss and teach you how to live and we're going to see it today. You learn to live, y'all. You learn to give. You learn to give. You learn to give. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul is writing to a church that he planted. He's writing right here about a time of hopelessness. Scholars, most scholars will agree that when Paul's this story is writing about, he was suicidal. He says things like we were, we were burdened beyond our ability to endure. Where He was talking about a, a mission trip in Asia Minor. You can read about it in the book of Acts. He was heavily persecuted. He didn't think he was going to make it out. And he's writing. He made it out and he's writing to the Corinthian church. And he says that we were burdened beyond our ability to endure, man. They were like, they thought they had the sentence of death on their hearts, he says. And this is what he says where he's telling the church he planted about this hopeless moment. <laughs> he says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father and source of all comfort. That's a mouthful when you've lost. It's offensive to hear that God is merciful when you're burying somebody that has gone too soon. It's offensive when you're going through things that people don't even understand, but they think they do. It's offensive when you're empty and exhausted. And Paul, or excuse me, yeah, Paul says this. He says, man, he is our merciful father. Then he says he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You learn to give. Loss teaches you. Loss teaches you. I know you've been through hell, but listen to me. Loss teaches you not to hold back. See, you don't sit on the bench. You don't keep your mouth shut as much. You don't, you don't withhold what God deposited in your heart when you've lost It can teach you to give. It does not have to deflate you. It can inflate you with the spirit of God and everything that he put inside of you to give to the world. See, loss has the impact of opening your heart where you can actually do something with it instead of sitting on the bench. See, you don't don't sit in the background. You don't stay on the bench because you've lost. You know how short life is and you begin to give what God deposited inside of you and you stop believing what everybody's told you because he's put something inside of you that's worth giving. That's what loss does to you. It teaches you to give. Listen to me. I know it. I'm not talking about my story as much today. I've been through hell. If you've been here long enough, you know it. You have too. We all got different stories. You've been through hell. And when you've been through hell and you've gotten to the other side and you've got the smell of smoke on you for the hell you've been through, you relate. You know what it takes to get out of it. And you are doing, you're trying to help save people from the time, energy, pain that you wasted. Loss helps you give. You, my wife, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, like she talks as much as me and that's a lot. But you know why? Because she knows that I, life is too short to withhold what God has put inside of me to give. And that is by loss. Tell somebody right now there is life after, matter of fact, here we go. 
There's life after loss, y'all. There's life after loss. Don't you stop living because you've had some things happen. I know it doesn't matter how you lost it. There's life. There is life after loss. Man, you know what you've been through hell. I get it. Let me tell you somebody that's been through hell that I saw three and a half, over three years ago come in this place. Alvaro Lopez, man, he comes in here. He's going like on over three years of sobriety. And it doesn't matter if there's two people in that recovery move group. By the way, we're launching move groups and he's got one of them. If you need, if you struggle, if you're trying to recover and be sober, it doesn't matter if you're the only one with him or if there's 12. Alvaro went through 32 years of addiction. And the man, when he looks at alcohol, he don't look at it like most addicts that are pissed off that they can't drink like other people. He looks at it at 32 years of time he wasted and he will do anything to help save the people that 32 years lived and numbed themselves. And Avro has done it for over three years. You know what taught him that? Loss. 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 He knows what he wasted and he will do anything for anybody that wants to be sober and anybody that wants to truly find, like my dad never truly found what he was looking for. He wants people to find the healing and wholeness. He ain't perfect. He's got his own areas of growth, but the people that are going through what he came out of, they need it and he wants to give it. You know what taught him that? Loss. Loss. He's not looking backwards at all the time he's wasted. He's looking forward at what God wants to do in his life and he refuses to withhold what God deposited inside of, deposited inside of him because of loss. There is no reward in surviving. There's reward in living. And Paul says, the God of all comfort comforts me. In a moment where he wanted to die, he says, so that I can be a comfort to others. That is the gospel. You better say it with all you got, Catalyst. Uh uh-uh say it with all you got there is life after loss a lot of it a lot of it care if I'm talking to people my age or 75 95 there is life after loss whatever whoever rejected you whoever talked you need to quit believing in lies and living in lies because there's life after loss that is the gospel every day not just one day there is life and if you've been here long enough then you if you've been a catalyst more than one or two Sundays you know Terry Pittman you know she is like a huge hustler. She's watching at home right now. I want you to see a little bit of her story. Can we run that video? Grief changes you. In 2019, my late husband was diagnosed with stage four terminal pancreatic cancer and our world was quickly crashing down all around us. I felt like I had to carry my whole family alone and I felt like I was slowly drowning. My husband needed me at the hospital and my kids needed me at home. So it was extremely emotional trying to be at two places at once. I had to make some of the toughest decisions in my life. I was fighting for my husband's life, standing up to doctors that suggested we just go home and live out his final days. But giving up was not an option. Day after day, he fought setback after setback but we were trusting that God had a bigger plan and we had to just keep pushing harder. Looking back now, I see how this made me the fighter that I am today. It made me stronger, it made me love harder, and it made me want to live every day like it's my last. He fought the good fight as long as he could, but Kelvin got the ultimate healing. Victory was won. Losing my spouse was devastating. 
it sucked the life out of me. And I spiraled into depression quickly. I would cry myself to sleep, get myself up the next day just to get my kids off to school. Then I'd go back to bed. And day after day, this became my routine. I got to a point where honestly, I didn't care if I got back up or not. I was lost, I felt alone, and my faith was at a standstill. I never stopped believing in God, but I just felt so numb to the world. My kids were the only thing keeping me alive, but I was struggling to keep my head above water. Then one day it just hit me and the fight in me came alive. I was going to live for my children and most importantly live for myself. I was a single mom now and my kids needed me at home more than ever. So I quit my job of 12 years so I could focus on myself and my kids. I started removing all the things that were weighing me down. I wanted a healthier version of myself so I started walking, working out and journaling. Walking has been so refreshing to me. It opened my eyes to nature and I just felt like I could finally breathe again. Working out kept me focused and made me feel better about myself. And journaling was just good for my mind and my soul. It was an outlet for me to say whatever I wanted to say. I could scream, cry, laugh, or whatever I wanted to do without being judged. After time, I realized that I had to stand up for what I believed was the best thing for myself. I had to tell people no sometimes, and I had to learn that it's okay to say no. When you lose someone, people tend to give you advice on how you should grieve and when it's okay to move forward. But there is no right or wrong way to work through grief, and there is no time limit on how long you can grieve or when you can start picking up the pieces and moving forward. I slowly began pushing people away because it was the best thing for me at the time. I have probably hurt people by pushing them away, but I had to choose what was best for my mental health. Believe me when I say it hasn't been easy choosing to take care of myself. Every decision I make, every move I make, it affects other people and it's hard feeling so torn. Grief is so heavy and no one's grief is the same. It affects people differently and at different stages as well. What I hope people can learn from my story is that giving up is not an option. God carried me through a storm. He picked me up with all of my brokenness. He led me to a church that would become my home. And he placed the right people in my life at exactly the right time. Even though I felt numb to the world for a while, I knew that the presence of God was still moving in my life. God was putting me back together again, one piece at a time. He was investing in me, and it made me realize that I needed to faithfully give back to God. God never gave up on me, and He will never give up on you either. Tomorrow's not promised, so love hard even when it hurts, invest in what you believe in, and keep moving forward.
try to hang on. I've known Terry for years. Let me tell you who Terry was five years ago. She's always been a hustler. You guys know anything about her? You've spent much time with her here. She's a hustler. Five years ago at the old church where I started my ministry, she would come to the table and she would serve in any way. She was not going to say much. She truly never, she hadn't tapped into the leadership God had put in her life. The gift that he gave her. She didn't talk much. As a matter of fact, sometimes she wouldn't say a word, but she'd do whatever you asked. She was a servant. Kelvin passes away. And over the last few years, I never thought I would see a Terry that hits everything head on. She's going to lead. She's learning to lead. She is just not just a hustler anymore. That's a game. She's a game changer. A game changer. And it's because loss taught her to live and to give what God had put in her life. Last year, she, she turned down a full-time benefited job for her. Uh, she, remember, she's a mama. She turned down a full-time job to work here more hours for a ridiculously offensive salary. And I asked her about it. She also gives a chunk of it, a huge chunk of it, right back to the church. And I asked her about it. I said, what made you do that? And she said, losing what I went through taught me that I'm not going to spend my life earning a paycheck and not making a difference. And she said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life investing in what I believe in. And I believe in Catalyst and I believe in what God did, through, did in me and through me. He can do through everybody else. And I, my story's just getting started. And as you and Angie always say, the best is yet to come. She turned down a, a, a nice salary, something that could put her family in a better position to work in a place because she believes in the gospel and she does not hold back. And she will not apologize for doing what she thinks is best I have never seen anything quite like it laws teaches you that seminary doesn't teach you that laws teaches you that getting your heart so broken that everything comes into perspective and you begin changing and realizing what matters and what doesn't and you focus on what matters and you got less to prove and more to live yeah you've changed You spend less time trying to prove yourself and more time enjoying the life that God gave you. And loss is what teaches you that. And Terry Pittman's story is just getting started. And she is such a blessing because she's got a testimony. Tell somebody there's life after loss. There's life after loss. Loss will give you a kick in the butt and say enough. Enough. It will kick you in the butt and uplift you off the ground. It will, God will turn you upside down to help you live right side up. Loss will do that to you. When you lose people, Catalyst, listen to me. When you lose because of people, Paul says this. So let's not grow tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings. Say that with me. If we don't give up. Let me tell you something about people that you may not quite, you may be shocked about, but it is going to be this way the rest of your life. People are going to hurt you. Tell people all the time, a lot of people get in ministry and they can't handle people. And ministry will crush you really fast if you can't handle people. Because people are messy. Church people can be the most messy a lot of times. People are going to hurt you. People are going to leave you. People are going to betray you. It's going to happen. It already has going to continue. Don't be surprised by it. 
But don't you dare stop sowing good seed and doing the right thing. Don't you get bitter. Don't you give up. Quit Set boundaries with people, but quit trying to burn them down. That's not what God talks about. That's not what God commands us. The Bible says, look, people are going, they're going to hurt you bad. And you need to quit rooting against them. You need to quit being bitter and trying to burn them down. The Bible says, don't rejoice in your enemy's stumble. So you don't celebrate when they fail. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Excuse me. Jesus, yes, Jesus says, bless those who curse you. He didn't say passively, aggressively post on social media all these shady and sketchy posts and blast them when you, get, when you cross the line. He said, bless those who curse you. And Paul said, don't grow weary in doing good for at the due time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. People are going to hurt you. People are going to stab you. People are going to disappoint you. That's people. It's always happened. Look at the Bible. But you get to decide if that's going to teach you or make you the toxic person they are. Because a lot of us are still talking about the toxic people that hurt us 10, 20 years ago. And you become that person. You just don't realize it because day after day you chose to stay bitter. And when you lose because you lose yourself when you decide to stay bitter about things that God pulled you out of. And the people, man, loss can save your life. It doesn't have to crush it. It can save your life. It doesn't have to crush it. Brittany Butts, y'all, before I played this video, she, I played, we played a little clip a couple weeks ago. Single mama, girl gets here earlier than most all you. Serves on three teams, I think. I know, I know cleaning team. Uh, she serves in catechids. Uh, I think she ser- serves on frontline today because, like I said, it's been a crazy week. Brings her kids up here and they get to watch her clean this for all of y'all. It's just her. She's been through hell. She, people probably don't like some of the decisions that were right for her to make. And in the last couple of years, we've seen her grow. And I want you to hear for yourself how she's grown. Can we turn your attention to the screen? making the moves I need to make to, to better my life for me and my kids. Don't go backwards. I don't feel as much stress. I don't have as much anxiety. I don't feel a weight on my shoulders anymore. I see a totally different person. Um, I like what I see now in every aspect. I just see myself different. I, the best way to say it is just I feel relief. I know I keep saying that same thing, but that's that's the main thing. Like, I just, I don't feel, I always felt a pressure to make other people happy, do, do this for other people. What are they going to think if I say this? What are they going to think if I do that? And now I just don't care. And I, so it's, it's like a, a release, a relief, like, I don't have all that pressure on me anymore. Um, I've just made changes to better myself, um, to bring myself more peace. I've seen myself change and just doing more for me, doing what's best for me and my kids.
wanted to say he's there more, but it, he was always there. I'm able to see it more. I'm able to acknowledge it more and I'm doing more of what he wants me to do. So I'm seeing it in even more ways. The hardest part is letting go when my heart doesn't want to let go. But I just look at my progress and I keep my mind on my goal and what I want to get to. Just think of my kids. Just remember where I'm at now as opposed to where I was. I'm gonna tell you, y'all see the shirt she was in. She was in, dropped by here on the way home from work or probably going to the next job. She stopped by to do that interview. That is Brittany Butts. Brittany Butts is not bitter. Matter of fact, can we throw that scripture up from Romans 12? This is what we're thinking about her this week. Reminded me of this verse Paul talks about. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but overcome evil with good. Brittany Butts isn't trying to prove a thing to anybody. When you hear her heart, she just wants, she's been over, I've, I've known some of the weeks she's had and she's been on this front row with her arms open at this altar worshiping when we open up the altar she's been down here in moments where she needed to be and we have seen the work of God in her life you know what teaches you that loss what teaches you that is loss and she's far from where she's gonna be and I tell her all the time your story is just getting started she don't care what anybody thinks about divorce. She doesn't need to. She's making decisions based on her relationship with God and I trust her heart. That's what growth looks like. Online, you can drop a comment and give me some help right now. Say there's life after loss if you're watching live. Y'all, there is life. Life after loss. When you lose because of bad decisions, bad choices. Colossians 2, Paul tells the church, another church he planted, he destroyed the record, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he destroyed the record of the debt we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he exposed them to public disgrace by leading them in a triumphal parade. Back in those days when they won a war, they would parade the enemy through the streets to make a spectacle of their victory and Jesus is saying or Paul's saying that what Jesus did on the cross was made a spectacle of the things you're ashamed of and embarrassed of Jesus went to the cross to prove what, that what he says you are is what you are when you make bad choices you don't lose. listen when you lose because of bad choices you don't have to stay there in 1 John 1 9 this is something we have gotten away from in our culture if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all all unrighteousness. We live in a world where we hold back. It's my business. It's not yours. Listen, I'm not telling you got to get up here and crap your laundry like I, your dirty laundry like I do. I don't expect that. But when you're holding back, you're doing exactly what Eve and Adam did after the fall. They literally covered up with leaves. That is a representation of shame. And when you live in shame, you don't find freedom. But when you begin to realize that God, even the things that the mistakes you've made, God can use to teach you some things that will change your life, shape your life, and change the world. The hardest person to forgive is yourself. The toughest nails to drop, you may try to act like you're crucifying other people. The toughest person to forgive is you. We have people walking around projecting on everybody. Look on social media. 
The hardest nails to drop are the ones that you get up out of bed and you put in your own hands and crucify yourself every day. Drop the nails. Drop the nails. Paul said he, Jesus, nailed to the cross what you've been embarrassed of, covering up the things you have so much guilt of what you put the people you love through, what you put your kids through. Drop the nails. Jesus forgave you. Why can't you forgive you? He loves you, and the reason you can't live to the level of his love and plans is because you're letting loss crush you. Your bad decisions can shape you when you begin to bring them to him. They can shape you. They can shape you. If you've lost people because you lost yourself and you hurt people, be honest and make amends. Whether they receive it or spit in your face, it doesn't matter. You move forward because God's got the right people at the next level if you're ready to go to the next level and quit living in what you've been living in for years. Be honest, man. We all like to hold back. Well, they're just judging me. Nobody's judging you. Half the time you're judging yourself. And loss can teach you what the love of Jesus truly is and it can become your reality. That's become our excuse as everybody's judging me. Some people judge you and they don't matter. Other people just love you and you don't want to look in the mirror. You get, loss is a good teacher, y'all. When you lose because of life. I'm almost done. When you lose because of life. Paul says this. Life's going to happen, y'all. You're going to get blindsided. When you were pressed on, he says, we are pressed on every side. This is when he's fighting against a lot of persecution. He ended up dying. When we are pressed on every side by troubles, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. That's how Paul and the disciples changed the world. They said, man, we're struggling. We are crushed. We don't even know what, we don't know which ends up. Our head's spinning, but we still love him and we trust him. Amen, right? Isaiah 59, Isaiah, if you know anything about the prophet Isaiah, he was sawed into a lie because they didn't like him very much and what he had to say. And Isaiah said this, and he went to the grave knowing it was true. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Life is going to blindside you. And anybody in this place right now that you feel like you've lost anything, you feel like you've lost everything, or maybe you have. I want you to know that God is bigger than whatever, you, whatever you've lost, even if it's everything. He is bigger. The scripture says that he will restore the years the canker worm devoured. A canker worm in the Old Testament was a locust that just devoured and ate everything. And I don't know what you've lost, and I don't know how many years you've wasted, but I'm going to tell you, God said, you're not getting those years back, but he can restore them. That's how good he is. He will bring beauty from ashes, but you got to bring him to ashes and quit beating yourself up. Life is going to go sideways sometimes. It's going to go sideways. You're not going to know what's in, what, which end is up, but I want you to know when it does. So right now, I want you to fill in the blank in your heart. Whatever you think is too big for you, whatever is keeping you in the bed, whatever is keeping you bitter, whatever is keeping you projecting, whatever is keeping you holding back and keeping up walls and you're pushing away good people and good opportunities, whatever is keeping you flaking out from coming to church and going to work and having friends and living life for what, the way God called you to live it, whatever insecurity you're holding on to, whatever scars that your mom and daddy did to you and you're 60 years old and you're still crippled, when you walk in a room because you got no confidence 
Whatever it is, right now, I want you to fill in the blank in your heart. I'm going to give you like two seconds. You ready? Say, right now, God is bigger. Uh Uh-uh. Say, right now, God is bigger. He is bigger. 9-11, the the reason on the 9-11 post yesterday that I put, we believe God is bigger than tragedy, is I don't care if I drop dead tomorrow. God is bigger than this life, and he's bigger than my last breath, and his love will carry me on. God is bigger. Say it like you mean it. I don't know. It's hard to speak it over your own situation. Say it right now. Say, God is bigger. bigger. He is bigger. He is bigger. And here's the perspective that you need to get to if you truly want loss to teach you to live, to show you life. Paul in prison writes this. The worst moment of his entire life was when he wrote the book of Philippians. But you know what? He was his most encouraged because he realized he trusted him. It was towards the end of his ministry. He was in his early 60s probably. This is what, he got. This is what his life came around to because he learned to live and lost taught him. Philippians 3. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us, you, me, online. If we quit, we quit living for petty things like everybody's arguing about right now when you realize that life is bigger than you. Your decisions you make are bigger than you. God wants to give you life, but it ain't just for you. I realize that in four and a half years of this church, I've been the spokesperson for mine and Angie's story. I've realized that um, she's really, she'll speak it a lot in the council office to people, but she's not going to get up here and talk about it much. So I ask her, I ask her to write a letter to the church. I ask her to write the letter to the church. Our prayer, her prayer, her hope and heart for you. Life after loss, it's not over. As unique as God has made each and every one of us, so is our own journey with loss and grief. There is no perfect answer or cookie cutter way to follow the process of grief. As I heard a beautiful friend of mine say recently, your journey has to be taken moment by moment. Looking too far ahead or living in the what-ifs will keep you stuck and not living in the moment. When you've been through loss, you learn to understand that life is way too short. Things that used to consume your thoughts and stress you out no longer matter. What matters is what is right in front of you. I follow a woman on Facebook that has a page called One Fit Widow. She has been a huge inspiration to me during my grief grief journey. I'd like to share with you one of her recent posts. It's human nature to worry, to get wrapped up in the anxiety for the future and regret the past. But right now, this very second, it's your life. You are not guaranteed tomorrow and your history is gone. It's time to let it go. Your past should teach you, inform you, and be part of what makes you stronger. But you are missing part of your lessons if you live there. Regardless of what you've been through, it's not over take all the time you need to reflect on the current sentence to ponder your circumstances to grieve, to grow and to rest but after that use the semicolon and continue with the remainder of your story it has not ended 
And while the semicolon might represent a break that took you to your knees, never underestimate your power to finish your alternate ending strong, brave, and powerful. Focus on what you can control and live in the moment. You define you. You are still here for a reason. My prayer for you, Catalyst, is that you will allow the one who created you to come in and fill that void, fill that sorrow. No tear is ever wasted. Those tears you shed are water in the ground for your soul, of your soul for growth. God can use your story to help those who will go through what you have been through. Allow God to use even your pain to bring healing, not only for yourself, but for others. Rest in his love as you heal and then stand strong in his promises that the best is yet to come. Thank you, baby. For your example, that woman lives that. We've gone through our own heavy years of ministry now that we've been together and done life together. And she lives that. And we don't settle for anything less because we believe that there is life after loss. Whatever you ever lose, there is life. And I can think of no better way when I planned this entire Sunday and prayed over it to end this message on one of the most beautiful stories and legacies and examples of life after loss than the Buchanan family. Can we roll the footage Vance and I were married for 22 years, so Vance was just very involved in our day-to-day life. We worked hard as a couple and as a mom and a dad to our kids to make our family strong and stable and to give everybody um, the best shot they had to be successful, Um, and we just really worked hard at it. Uh, The ambulance arrived and they took over from the fire department and continued the CPR, put them in the ambulance. So I got in the car and went to the hospital. And when I got there, um, the young lady at the desk said, um, I told her who I was and she said, oh, okay, well, I want you to come back into this little conference room and wait on the doctor. And I was like, um, okay, this is, this is definitely not good because Normally, when you go into an ER and you're there to see somebody, they take you to the room. So the doctor came in and he told me that Vance had passed away. My first thought was, you know, okay, now what? I even told the doctor, I said, I said, no, this, this can't be right. I said, we have four kids at home that we have to finish raising. This, this can't be right. I had to go home and um, got home. The kids were still sitting on the couch. I told the kids, you know, that... Um, Daddy was not coming back, that he had passed on. And honestly, I cannot even begin to tell you the feeling of telling your children that. That was the awfulest thing. Ben spoke at Vance's funeral, and one of the things that he had said was that the best is always still in front of us, and the best is, is yet to come. And out of all the things that happened over those few days, that was the one thing that really stuck with me. I I knew I had to believe it. I didn't know how to believe it. Because how do you believe that the best is still out there when you just buried the dad of your kids and now you have to do this without him? Um, I was praying more than I had ever prayed before, um, just that the Lord would show me how to do this and how how to get through 
this um, this time with the kids and with myself. And, you know, I had to go back to work and the kids had to go to school. And I just decided early on, um, the Lord just told me, you need to be the example that if, if, if you get up and you go to your job and you do what you need to do, the kids are gonna get up and go to school and do what they need to do. So I just really, started, you know, embracing the fact that I had to, I had to be the example. I had to be strong and I had to do it with the Lord so that the kids would have the best chance to continue progressing and being um, successful as they grow, grew up. I did the very best I could with a situation that no one would really know what to do. And it didn't, it didn't happen overnight and it didn't happen automatically. It took some work, but I really started practicing gratitude in my life. I realized that even in the worst of times, we all still have something to be thankful for. And when I really started looking for things to be thankful for, I found a lot of things to be thankful for. And, and I mean, you know, yeah, it was a terrible time, but there were still so many good parts that happened during that journey. I'm Courtney. Buchanan. I'm married to Joshua, and my background is I grew up with a very normal home life and church life. Things really took a turn for my family when my dad's dad, my papa, passed away my freshman year of high school. He was just a very loved member of our family, and I took it especially hard um, because of his death and me not really knowing how to navigate those feelings of grief, I took a very sharp turn off of my walk with God. I started smoking. I started drinking every chance I could get. I was sneaking out of my house and hanging out with people I should not have been with. I was in a very bad relationship. This is where my parents intervened in my life. And looking back on that now, I'm very grateful because I would not be who I am today if my parents would not have interjected themselves into my life. I also got really plugged back into my home church where I grew up. It had been three years of doing nursery for At One when I finally met Joshua. I started hanging out with the uh, wrong crowd a little bit before uh, my dad passing away. And, you know, it was more of an occasional thing. It wasn't an all-the-time thing. And I found that we'd uh, helped numb the pain of my dad and uh, all the gr grief and just everything I had. I started smoking more, hanging out with the wrong people, lying to my mom. Uh, I lied so many times I couldn't keep my lies straight. You know, I needed that feeling of just nothing because nothing was better than feeling the pain that I was feeling. My mom was like, I can't have you in my house. And I knew I had a problem and I knew I needed to get help. And so that night I decided to go to a meeting in Douglasville. That's kind of where my recovery started. And I found a, somebody I could talk to, somebody that's been through everything I have and people that I can truly call friends. So I came up with the bright idea that, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm not smoking weed anymore. Why don't I sell it? <laughs> and so that's what I did. I started doing that and uh, I got arrested. 
and I later found out that I was facing 25 to 30 years in jail for selling um, weed. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? So I got an attorney and was able to work out a deal where I got five years probation. And that was just such a blessing for me um, that, I, that God gave me that opportunity to, you know, hey, you messed up, but pick yourself back up and move on. You know, don't look back, just keep going. And that started, that's how it started from there, me really, really taking it seriously. I first noticed Joshua. I had started to pick up that he was always there early. He would help set up and would greet people as they came in and seemed really friendly. Earlier on in the year before we had met, I had been told by my doctor that I would most likely not be able to have children. And Josh would always just tell me like, you'll be able to have kids, you'll be able to have kids. And so I was just like hoping for that, but in the back of my mind was just like, it's not gonna happen for me. And about three months into our relationship, we found out I was pregnant, which was a shock to say the least. Both of our families were shocked, we were shocked, but like deep down, I was so excited because I was just like, had been praying for this moment my whole life. We couldn't be more blessed with how things have turned out. We had had a great Christmas day, um, just enjoying each other, the kids, my mom, my sister, and it was our first Christmas with my new grandbaby. Um, the Lord just spoke a word to me and he told me, he said, you lack nothing. Life certainly is not how I thought it would be or how I planned it or what I thought my life would look like at this stage. But the Lord told me that I lack nothing. And I realized um, at that point that um, with Jesus, I mean, I knew this, but it like really hit me at that moment that I have Jesus, so I have everything. And it's, um, it's just powerful. It, it's been such a powerful word to me. And I just wanted to share that even when you don't feel like the Lord is with you or you don't feel like the Lord is working in your life, He's there. You just have to keep moving. You have to focus on God and your faith. And, um, and, and there is life after loss. Jesus really is enough and the best really is in front of us. I've done ministry long enough now that stories like today and the Buckhannon family are the reason why I do what I do and why I get up here and will preach all I got for as long as I live. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.